I paid five dollars to hear that? You are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. chasers of light to the purveyors of pictures to all of you listening around the world this is the f11 photography podcast i am your host kevin deal along with your other host mr brandon gory hello everyone and welcome back to the f11 photography podcast Yes, uh, welcome. We're going to have a really great guest in the studio today. How have you been, Brandon? So far, I've been good. Uh, I learned a recent issue uh, last night is that I have black mold in my air vents. That's not good. You should probably get rid of that. Uh, I could be doing better, Kevin. I could be doing better. Yeah, I uh, I myself had an interesting issue yesterday as I was uh, sitting down to dinner with my in-laws. My phone rings. And I pick up my phone and I look at it and I'm like, okay, this is an 800 number, but it doesn't say spam. So I'll answer it. I don't know why I answered it. I probably had a couple drinks. That's probably why I answered it. Mm. And it's the guy from my bank saying, hey, your credit card, uh, not your credit card, your debit card has been compromised. Uh, you know, have you been in like Fort Lauderdale? Which, of course, if you listen to this podcast, uh, I was recently in Florida. So I was like, have you been to Fort Lauderdale in the last three months? I was like, I've been through Fort Lauderdale. And I start talking to the guy and he, he's like asking me questions about my, uh, oh, well, have you ever had your car compromised before? And I was like, yeah, it happened. And, you know, he identified himself with some really clever number at the beginning. Hey, my station number is blah, 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 blah. My name is this. So, you know, he he, he sounded legit. And... um. So anyway, I told him like, yeah, I had my uh, card uh, compromised before. He's like, well, the last time your card was compromised, did uh, did the funds actually get taken out of your account? And this is kind of the first red flag. I'm th- sitting here thinking like, well, if you're with the bank, wouldn't you know that? Couldn't you see that? And uh, but you know, for whatever reason, I stupidly was like, well, yeah, I, I, they were. And he's like, okay, well, they're gonna have to like change your account over, and uh, we're gonna have to like reset your account and all that and i'm like what do you what do you mean we're going to like reset my account he's like because your your car has been compromised a couple times and so he's going through all this and he's like all right now uh let's go through the security question stuff like here you know what's the answer to such and such security question i'm like "Whoa, whoa, whoa hold on a second uh you know you have not given me any sort of electronic documentation that this charge in fort lauderdale has been declined or whatever and so i would like to see proof of that before we proceed and you know can you show me some sort of proof that you're actually with my bank and, you know calling me on a saturday and he's like well pick up your card your debit card and look on the back of it and i'm like yeah and he's like what number do you see there and i read off the number and i look at my phone and it's the same number i'm like okay and so but I'm, I'm also just, there's something interesting going on here. So I'm like, eh, something seems off. So I was like, I'll tell you what, man, I'm at a restaurant right now and it's the weekend. And if somebody did steal my card, nothing is going to happen in the next hour. So I will sit down in front of my uh, laptop an hour from now and I will get, go through these charges that are supposedly fraudulent. And uh, I'll call the number on the back of the card that you, you're calling me from. So I get home. I call the number on the back of the card. I actually talk to somebody at the bank, and they say, uh, Mr. Deal, there's no signs of fraudulent activity at all on your account. So the guy was trying to trick me into giving him the answers to my security questions so he could log into my account. So he must have, like, you had I don't know if he had, like, a keystroke follower or something. I don't know how he, how he found my account or tried to get into my account, but he tried to trick me into giving him my security question answers. And... So, yeah, and, and I guess uh, there's sophisticated technology out there right now where you can uh, scramble caller ID and make it look like you're calling from a different number. 
Yeah, that's what I've been sitting over here trying to figure out. That's crazy. And he just sounded like a regular old Joe Schmedlack, not he, like a. He sounded like a dude from a bank. So interesting. And uh, be careful out there, folks. I'm even even though I had a couple drinks in me, I'm very uh, glad and happy and patting myself on the back that I was like red flag one, red flag two. Everything seems kind of weird here. So anyway. Be careful out there, folks. Uh, let's talk about today's sponsor, Dehancer. So for those of you out there who love that film look but don't have that film money uh, or you're just not wanting to spend more money on film, the beautiful thing about Dehancer is that of all the programs out there that I've seen that emulate film, it actually does the best job. Yes, there's a lot of uh, film simulations out there that emulate the, uh, the colors and the tones of film. Where most emulations get it wrong is in emulating the physical characteristics, uh, all the physics that happen when light hits an emulsion. So you have things like bloom, halation, uh, you have the grain structure looking nice and organic. Dehancer does this, so uh, check it out. It's really awesome. Any any film stock you can think of, uh, Ilford HP5, Kodak Portra, uh, that, that that's all in the Dehancer film program. They also have a Dehancer Pro where you can emulate motion picture films. So maybe you have a, you know, the Fuji, Eterna, some of those Kodak uh, film stocks. Uh, unfortunately, they don't have the new custom-made Oppenheimer uh, monochrome that they made, the 70 millimeter, specifically for that film. But... It is an awesome program. If you use the code GORY10 or use the link in the description below, you can get 10% off your copy of Dehancer today. So joining us, our interview today, uh, Mr. Ethan Tran. How are you doing today, Ethan? Doing great. Doing great. How about y'all? Oh, doing excellent. Hot and sweaty. We're living it up. Yeah, it's not 108 there in New York City, is it? No, it's like... It's like 80, but everyone here thinks it's crazy hot, and it's, it's wild. Uh, bless them. Well, I mean, that's kind of the crazy thing. you got a city where everybody's so close together. That's why they have to build up, right? And uh, maybe 80 feels more like 95 because everyone's so close. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, I don't, you know, being from Texas, it's like, it's not, it feels it feels pretty nice here, I'll be, I'll be honest, compared to Texas, but I can see where they're coming from. The subway, when you're down there, it's like crazy how's the uh how's the humidity in new york around this time uh i mean it's something like texas i would say like i can definitely still walk around and like be fine but you know in texas if it's 100 degrees or 90 something it's pretty hard to like walk because it's so humid yeah you're just stuck in basketball shorts here yeah, it is funny. People, it is funny listening to people from the Northeast. Like, oh my God, it's eighty. It's so crazy. I'm like, dude, when I wake up at like six in the morning to walk my dog in Texas, it's like already in the mid eighties. <laughs> like, because I have to get up at six in the morning because it's been like a hundred and eight here. Uh, basically, if you look at your phone for for Austin, like if you look at the last three weeks and the next three weeks, it's all triple digits. Like every day. Oh yeah. And not even like, oh, we just hit a hundred. It's like one hundred eight, one hundred six, one hundred five. Like, ugh. <clears throat> This yeah, need, that's crazy. This needs to end. <laughs> but, Are you on your phone to New York? Yeah, well, I need to come to New York. I love it there. I haven't been there in years. I and will be in New York in October. Thank goodness. Right. I'm looking forward to it. You all should go get some lattes together or something. Oh, yes, yeah. affogatos. Well, welcome to the show. Uh, for all of you listening... Uh, Ethan is a digital creator, a man of many talents. And so we're going to go right to our first question, which is, uh, how did you get on this journey to where you are today? Were you always a creative type? Did you discover it, uh, I don't know, maybe in high school or something like that? What what really spoke to you and told you that this is what I need to do? Uh, a lot of things. I mean, I think from like an early age, I really, I start, I liked making videos and usually they're just like dumb videos that I would make with my friends or just like ones that I would make at home by myself in high school and put it on YouTube. And then mostly like school project stuff. And then I realized like from those school projects that I wanted to do like some other videos. But back then in high school, I didn't really know really what to do. Um, and then I think it kind of started when I went on this trip to uh arizona with my parents and in high school and i was like what like junior in high school or 
sophomore, I think junior. Um, and like they had like the iPhone seven and my dad, he had portrait mode. That was like the first portrait mode, I think camera that they, the Apple released back in the day, or it, it might've been like the second, I don't know, but somewhere in like that, somewhere in that like beginning range. And I thought it was crazy. Like I could do this like crazy background blur effect. I didn't even know what it was called back then. Right. Um, and I thought that was wild. So we, I was just like taking pictures on portrait mode of my parents and like, and and then it also like inspired me to just like take pictures of random stuff, just not even on portrait mode on an iPhone. Then I got home, my dad tells me like he has an actual like DSLR. It was like this old Canon Rebel camera. I don't even know what it was. It was like silver, which was crazy. Um, and then I just shot with that with like a 50 millimeter lens and it was like a crop sensor. So it was pretty, it was like, pretty, it was like an 85 equivalent. Um, and that's kind of how I got into it. Uh, and I was like taking portraits of people. I think kind of like usual stuff for, for that. And then going into college, I like got into Fujifilm and I like bought my like first, I bought like the X100F before the craze like four years ago. Um, yeah. Yeah. Before and, like, people realized, crazy. before people realized you could just buy an XE and slap a 23 millimeter on it and it's the same thing, basically. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. And, and back then I got it for like 700 used and now you can't get an X100F for like a thousand used. Like you gotta, it's like around a thousand plus for that camera and it's crazy. But anyways, like I, I got that and I kind of, <clears throat> kind of changed the way I shot and then I like really got into it and like really, it really made me want to learn more about like creative creativity and like photo video. Um, <clears throat> and then I got a job as like a social media manager slash content creator for like a coffee company. And I was like, that's how my coffee addiction started. I started like drinking, they had, only had cold brew. It was a cold brew like uh, tapped bike. So like that cold brew on tap. So it was like super strong. It was crazy. They would give me like a large cold brew and I would just like take a picture of it and then I would drink it obviously because I'm not going to, I would, I don't want to waste it. But then also it's like, it like just tasted pretty good. Free oatmeal. Cause like everything was, I mean, I don't know. It was like, oh, it was really cool. Cause I was in college and I was like, I need, I need caffeine. Um, and then I like took a lot of pictures and videos of it. And it was like kind of like a practicing point for me. Um, and that's kind of like how I started. Cause like, I just always had my camera when I was like going to class, then I'll just be like taking pictures throughout the day. Um, and then I guess this is a long story, but I think, I think it's like, it's the only way I'm able to tell it. Cause it doesn't make sense any other way. Um, and then from there, uh, I got, I like got into advertising because my boss at that company wasn't advertising and I was a business student. Um, so she kind of like connected the dots and was like, Oh, advertising is like, the perfect intersection of like creative and business. Uh, and I got into like an art directing role, art direction role from there. Uh, they didn't like give me a return offer my senior year. So I graduated and I have a, I didn't have a job. Um, and then I, what did I do? Uh, I, I like, I was like, Oh, I, I want to like create, I know how to create content, but I don't have anything to like show for it. I had a lot of pictures on there, but like, obviously pictures on Instagram two years ago, even like, yeah, even two years ago, like nothing was happening with that. Um, uh, and I just, I really wanted to do it for a job kind of like, I just wanted to do it so I could show I was like knowledgeable in like social media. Uh, but then it kind of like turned into like just really fun. And like, I didn't even get any of my jobs through doing like content. Um, but I was like, I started on TikTok, uh, what is it, like back last September, making like random videos. I just make like three a day about random stuff because like that's what everyone tells you to do. Um, and then it, it wasn't even like about photo or anything creative, really. It was just like a bunch of random stuff that I thought was interesting. And then I, I like kind of did one that was creative. It was like it was a video where I was like talking about things that weren't Photoshopped. And it was the first one I did. And it kind of it did pretty well. And from there, uh, I like really loved that style of video. And 
I was like, this is like a perfect intersection. So then I start, I kind of went down that rabbit hole of like inspiration content. And then from there, I, I was like, another thing was like, I want to like show people who I am. So then I, it started, I started my like uncurated thoughts videos where I would just talk about random stuff that I think is interesting as like a creative person. And yeah, that's kind of like my story. Yeah, and, and for those in the audience who, who don't know, Ethan makes a lot of content where he not only reviews other artists that are that are compelling and have um, almost obscure ways of creating their art, but he also uh, describes the process by which they make their art and, and basically reveals a number of fantastic um, uh, multidisciplinary artists around the world uh, to us on Instagram, apart from your own creative endeavors as well on, on your reels. Uh, I know you have that one pinned where you have that stop motion of, I believe it is the New Balance Shoe Collection. Uh, I could, it could be Reebok. Those two brands get mixed up in my mind. Um, but you do have that one pinned. And so not, not only are you able to very uh, competently describe other artists and I think you found a niche in that content but you're also uh really good at making your own I'd say yeah I appreciate that yeah yeah the so content is, is fun I, I noticed uh looking at your work that oftentimes you are the model which is interesting. What, uh, cause I, I'm, I, you know, a lot of photographers such as myself, I hate being on the other end of the camera. So, uh, it seems like you embrace it. What, how did that come about? Was it just kind of like, Hey, I don't have, I have this idea that I want to do. I don't, there's nobody around. So I guess I'm just going to record myself. Is that how it kind of came about? Yeah, I think it was, it was that also, I don't know for me, I don't really like, I did start out in like portrait photography, but for me, it was never something that I like did a lot of, I think yeah, it comes from what you're saying. Like I was kind of, I'm kind of like scared to like hire people to, or to do shoots with models. I, I think it's a bit of a thing for me where uh, I just like making things, being making things by myself. That's why I like street photography. Um, but also like I would make these things like after working um, like my job and then, I would just like need a film and I'm not going to like use my dad to like model for me. So yeah, I just kind of wanted to do it myself. And I, and I'll, for that shoe one, like I, I, I'm a, a size nine and a half and I didn't really, it didn't really like cross my mind to do anyone else because it was like my size, but I don't know. I, I think it just comes from a place of like, I just want, I just like doing things, uh, solo and i just enjoy the process of doing it i don't think it's that i don't want to work with other people uh i think it's just like something that i enjoy doing because it, it makes me happy well yes. it, it's interesting you bring that up because uh, we're actually going to be doing an episode on how to become a portrait photographer as an introvert not necessarily saying you are an introvert you may be but it's the being nervous and approaching a model and like learning how to do that we're actually going to do an entire episode on that so i just he, thank you for uh, giving me a segue into a plug for our show <laughs> yeah. but, but uh you you mentioned you do portrait photography you do street photography i also see that you do landscape photography and other types of photography do you find that one form of discipline like like so for instance i shoot street photography and i shoot portraits myself i tend to scout locations while i'm shooting street to take a model to later do you find that there's like some kind of cross you know cross pollination of different genres that help you out like i get really i'm, I'm doing something in this one genre that's going to help me out in this other genre that i shoot as well do you find that that is how it works for you as well yeah for sure yeah i i i do yeah i get what you're saying like i think i do the same thing like where uh, I, I find locations either way, like portraits or street, then I want to come back and like do something else. Like maybe not even portraits for me, maybe just like doing a video, uh, like the content I make where I just put myself in front of the camera type of video. Um, but yeah, definitely. Like I think I, I maybe similar to y'all, I just like do, doing a bunch of different types of photography because I think it like helps with any facet of being creative. And it's also just really fun to just try think new things. Uh, 
Let me think of it, if I have any examples. I think I think for me, like portrait photography helped me uh, be like confident in like taking concert pictures. I think for me, concert pictures are so much like I, I can I'm able to turn my brain off um, because you don't have to like interact with anyone really. You're the the person's like performing, and you're just taking pictures of them. Um, and I think that's that's what I, I I enjoy about concert is like. I don't have to like work with models. Um, I'm not, yeah. Like, like I, I think it might come from like the introverted point you're talking about. Um, but yeah, I think that it has helped me uh, do concert photography. You are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. Yeah, I I love how we just segued from from street photography to portrait photography, and then you saying that portrait photography helps with your event photography, your concert photography, and this this is this is what I love about you and your work is you are so openly and expressively a multidisciplinary photographer, artist, videographer, and you know content creator at the same time, and. You know, it's it's funny because you went into marketing, um, you trained under this marketing guy, and the number one thing any marketer will tell you if you want to become big in any creative discipline is niche down, niche down, find your find your hole and just and just keep digging to China, you know. But it seems, Ethan, that you have somehow managed to escape that that uh, that rabbit hole of of creativity and have found a way to to so fluidly uh uh move from one genre of photography to the to the other as well as different genres of creativity like videography you uh in the last couple years you won an award for a short film you made and we can talk about that later but um the the question i want to ask here is you talk about shedding limitations creatively, the barriers that not only that you put on yourself, but that maybe society puts on you. And so in your work, when it comes to working creatively, what was the progression to reaching this this kind of ideal of, I don't need to worry about what this needs to be, what the work at hand needs to be. If it, if, if it's, if it's street photography, sure. If it's portrait photography, sure. It, like you seem to traverse these, uh, these genres so, uh, so easily in your own mind. Um, I would say, yeah, that's a hard question. Cause I think I look at my content now and it is pretty, it's like kind of like a niche because I'd make, I would say I make two types of videos. I make inspiration videos. And I make videos where I just like talk about random stuff that I think will resonate with people. Um, but then I, I do a lot. I do. I also do a lot of experimenting with like other types of videos where I know like people really don't follow me for that, and I don't really care to be honest. Um, but I think I think the niche part for me, it just kind of came from like being being like a business student that like never really like. I don't, yeah, I, I, I guess it's like the cliche, like I didn't really fit in because I was a creative guy, right? Um, right. And that's kind of like what it was for me. Uh, and I felt like I never fit those like types uh, of careers, like banking, consulting, tech. That was really never something I was interested in doing. Um, and then I think it, it kind of translated to what, how I thought as a creative, like this was something that I was doing just for expression and just for fun. And, and I didn't really care about like what, for me, it was, it was like an escape. Right. And it was never, I didn't really think of it as a career back in college. Cause I was just trying to like get out of the mindset of like being a business person. Um, and that's like where it, it stemmed from this idea of, I don't want to, I don't want to do this business thing for the rest of my life. So like, let me just, let me just step away and try other things and like, see what I like to do. Um, I think that's where a lot of people get tripped up in. I, uh, like, honestly, like I'm talking to a lot of people that want to be content creators or like, they want to be creative, like even in my industry where they want to like switch from one role to another role that's creative. They're like, how do I do it? Because 
I, I don't know where to start. And like, I want to do this thing, but like, what if I do it wrong? I think for me, the, the, the part that I never really, or I, I, the barrier for me was like the creating part is like the part that once I started just making random shit that like, I, I, I just thought was interesting, regardless of like, if I knew how to do it or not, like I would just make it, whether that be doing concert photos, like making collages, doing portraits, street photography, uh, video making, making videos. I'll just like do it because I was interested in it and I would just post it uh, because I thought someone would like it. And I think for me, it, it kind of just came like this, the, the audience I have kind of just came from uh, the addition of all of these random things I was doing that like kind of inspired the thought process that I had. Um, yeah. I don't know if that answers the question, but no, that's no, good. It's good. Now, uh, the term content creator, I always like, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying that you go around saying you're a content creator. I think you actually says digital creator on your, on your page, but I always, I, I pr always take issue with the term content creator. Cause I find that it's just too broad. It's like, I, it doesn't really define what you do. Like, like Kim Kardashian's a content creator in a way, right? Like, or, you know, it's like, I don't look at what you do and think that's any, anything similar to what she does. I don't know. I find what, what are your thoughts on that term? Cause to me, it sounds like a buzzword that's created by social media companies. I don't know. That's just, that's always been my, my take on that term content creator. What are you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I, I really, I understand that for sure. Like, I had a video where I like was talking about a bunch of different titles and I was like, Oh, I don't, well, cause I was like, I didn't really know what I was. Like you were saying, like, I'm, I do a bunch of different stuff. Like I was like, Oh, am I a photographer, videographer, cinematographer design? Cause I also do some like collages. Am I a designer? Um, or, or am I like a content creator? Um, and I think it is, it's like a, I think it's, it's like, especially for filmmakers, it's a bit tough, right? Because you're a content, you could be a content creator, but like you have so many other skills that are specific to filmmaking and like uh, photography that regular content creators like don't have. And I think it's, it's kind of like this weird disconnect where you, if you tell someone you are that, and then they're like, Oh, you like, you, it, they place you in that Kim Kardashian box. Right. Um, but then you're not, you're like, you're like, you, you, you do so many other things. I think for sure, I like what you're saying. Um, it's, it's a tough thing. And I think I, 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 and recently I've been broadening, broadening it because I think that the term content creator is like one, I guess it's kind of like a huge category that surrounds a lot of different people that make different things. I think, I, I would classify content creators as people that just make stuff. Um, and then uh, below that is like, oh, filmmaker, photographer, right? Uh, and I, I, for me, I try to place them in like two different boxes, uh, in my mind at least. Yeah, it's something I had to wrap my head around because – I, I'm 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 older than both of you, definitely by a long shot. So I, I started college in 1999. Uh, I took the five year route. I graduated in 2004, but that's still one year before Facebook launched. So when I went to college, you were a photographer because that's what you were. The the word content creator didn't exist because the the place where content creation happens now didn't exist. There was no Instagram. There was no Facebook. So it was like. I've always had this mentality of, well, no, I'm a photographer and I want to present myself as such. So people go, oh, well, he's a professional photographer. That must mean that he knows about framing, composition, all this stuff, like how to, how to use an exposure triangle. Like that's how I want to present myself. And so I find that what, what, what kind of threw me off, though, is I would start seeing people who are just photographers refer to themselves as content creators. And then they would try to make these clever YouTube videos or uh, not YouTube videos, like uh, Instagram reels and stuff like that, talking about their photography. So it, it took me a while to wrap my head around that whole world. But it's just, to me, my, my takeaway, having existed in this industry in a world before it happened and now seeing it as it happened, it's just like, 
Yeah, that, that term is just a bit too broad for me because it just doesn't really define what you actually do. It could be a lot of things, right? A photographer could be, I mean, photographers create content. Kim Kardashian creates content. Ethan Tran creates content, but it doesn't really hone in on what, I don't know. I've always I've always just been like, hey, let's be a little more specific than that term. I like digital creator, uh, like like you, you put on there, but uh, at least at least we kind of have a little bit, at least it's like, okay, I think I know what he's where he's going with this, so... The, well, the, the ironic thing is a lot of people do put content creator on their Instagram handles and it's just like, okay, they're a budding videographer. They're trying to do, you know, they're trying to do the social media game. And it's like, you know, that's kind of a subject that we all just dance around that we have in the back of our heads as people who do uh, make content, whether it be photography, videography, or anything in between and outside of. Um, but that being said, you uh, you recently blew up in the social media game, and a most a lot of that work came uh, from your time in Austin, having recently moved to New York. I want to ask, how is the is there? Do you notice a difference in the inspiration uh, with the change of your backdrop of you know changing from Austin to New York? Are, are you noticing that your inspiration is different? Do you feel compelled to make different work because of the move, or is it? Or is it more so just like like access to, to bigger and better work? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I, I think I don't really know yet because I've only been here like a, I, I moved in July 1st. So it's been like a month and a couple of days. And I think most of my time has just been like kind of like exploring the city and like thinking about things, obviously. But and, and, uh, and just setting up stuff like i just got this desk yesterday or two days ago nice. i spent a whole day like making a desk and usually in austin i would like spend a whole day making content or whatever it may be so it's for me it's just been kind of like settling for now like i need i just need i'm settling in and also going to a lot of there's so many events here like yesterday went out with my with a friend of mine and we like went to this fashion pop-up thing and he like he like told me that there was like these other events that like he told me that there was an event going on at night. And then uh, this other guy that I also met there, he like told me that there was another event. Like there's like so many random events going on here. And it's, it's kind of like uh, a lot different than Austin. Like Austin is like, you have this one event you're going to go to, uh, whether it be a concert or like a party. And here it's like, you have so much stuff to do. Uh, and I, I think, I think for me right now, it's just kind of like meeting a lot of different people. Um, whereas in Austin, I didn't really, I, I was like something, I went to college in Austin. I, I grew up in Austin. So it was very different in terms of like people that, um, that I knew because I was a business student and I didn't really have, I didn't have many connections to like the photo, like filmmaking world back in Austin. Um, it's kind of like all from social media, like how I met you, Brendan. Yeah. Um, and then we ended up meeting at like a, a coffee shop uh, randomly. I remember that in, in passing at uh, Epoch on 53rd Street. Yeah. Very good coffee shop. Uh, yeah. And then that, that's actually the, I don't know, this is like random, but I've met like, a, I've met like a, basically all the people, creative people from online. I've met there, which is so funny. It's like the spot for, for creative people, I guess. On, on the subject of New York City, I, I see I know what you're talking about with there just being an overwhelming amount of culture shock there because you just get there and it's like so different. I, I went there for a conference uh, years ago and I had a friend who she was a doctor and she like lived in this tiny little place in Greenwich Village with about like three or four other doctors. That's how that's how expensive it was. But they the their life was like they would go to work nine to five. And then at five, they would nap until like uh, 10 p.m. or something like that. And they would just go out all night and go to these events. It's like, we're going to go to this rooftop party in Brooklyn. I'm like, it's a Tuesday. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, and you go there and the rooftop party's packed. 
there's like you go to the next floor and it was like some guy who worked for Henson Productions and made like all the puppets for like Sesame Street and you're just like what is going on here like there's just so many like crazy creative stuff out there and like I remember I went to some uh random club and I heard music like this electronic music that was like I could tell because I I used to make electronic music myself I was like this is this is going to be coming out soon like this is going to be what's big soon and so he's just like really on the cutting edge and forefront of culture and arts and so I guess I guess that's my thing is uh, what I mean I was only there for a week and I I was just like blown away by how much I saw so I, I can't I can't imagine you've already been there for a month you must have seen some things where you're like oh wow this is really gonna I mean you're you're getting acclimated you're getting settled but I think I think if you start exploring around a bit more you're gonna start seeing that oh my gosh the amount of avenues that are available here are insane yeah it is really crazy like you just walk around and like see some random thing but I think. Yeah, uh, that's that's interesting. You're you're like you did uh, music as well, being being in the being in the filmmaking scene. Um, yeah, I think I think for me like the thing I've been just learning is like, or the thing I like about this area is you just meet so many people, and I'm able to like, I, I'm tr- I'm I'm trying to like write more, just about random stuff, and like journaling more and i think here is an interesting place to do it because you like do something crazy and then you just want to like relax and just write um and i think here there's a lot of places where you can just sit down and like be kind of like a fly on the wall and like do nothing and no one cares uh i think that's something I, i i enjoy about here is like you can walk around and not feel like if you walk in Austin, you're not going to see a lot of people. If you walk here, you're going to just see people all the time, uh, which is like interesting. Hey, this is Vanessa Joy, and you're listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. You you seem to have a, a really great innate ability to reflect and to um, to give time, valuable time to introspection. And I, I definitely see that reflected in your work. Um, you... Uh, you touch on a lot of cultural proverbs in the Western world uh, in your reels. Uh, one of your reels is titled, Difficult Isn't Always Better. And of course, we do live in a society where we think that the means justify the end. And that if you were working hard, then the end product must be more valuable, uh, even if the end product is of something very simple and very ordinary. N- now... I, I love that. I love that you say that you're journaling because uh, that's a, that's great for this next question. Is uh, what what guides the formation of of these sort of reels, this sort of content where you you challenge uh, like large overarching cultural norms? Is this something where you're reading stoic you know stoic philosophers, or <laughs> or is this is this like shower thoughts come to fruition because because a lot of you know th- these are these are really important topics, and sometimes it feels like um, topics you address in your reels. You're saying what we're all thinking, but like no one's actually given it the time to to blossom in their in their own mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah yeah, I think a lot of it comes from uh, consuming a lot of media, and like over the years having just like my own thoughts about it because you know i feel like as photographers you're always trying you you it's hard you know like as photographers you you always like want to have a following because in the end it means like more business right, right. and i think it, it kind of like reaches this level of like the like is this what is this really what i want to make or is this something that i'm making because i want to do xyz thing and like grow my my personal business or whatever it may be um and i think for me a lot of like the stuff that i like isn't this or a lot of the like photos stuff i like isn't the stuff that does well it's just always the the random stuff that i just take uh like street photography or landscapes things like that um just for fun and like it makes me really happy uh the difficult isn't always better thing that one a lot of my videos come from uh, a number of people, and I think there's a lot of people that talk similar things. Like Rick Rubin is a big inspiration for me, but I think for him, he's in a bit of a different space. He's in the creative space, 
but he's in music, he's in culture, he's in like production. Uh, whereas obviously like with filmmaking and photography, it's like, it's like a different space than music, right? Like you're not, we're not making songs really. Uh, I'm not saying you can, but like, that's not the space that filmmakers heads are in. And I think his thoughts like evoke this perspective uh, for me on like content creation because they're very tangential with what they, they align with. Like that difficult, it isn't always a better one. <clears throat> it came from one of these like short little quotes he had, or it wasn't a quote, it was like, it's kind of a long quote um, where he was talking about how like you can do, it was a really long winded quote but it was basically talking about how, let me see how to phrase this. Uh, you can do this. You can, you can keep trying to like get better at something and get, you keep trying to, you can keep trying to get better at one thing, like whether it's photography or videography. Um, and if, if you keep trying, it does, uh, you can like do a lot of projects and, while you think you're getting better, uh, like maybe you, you, it, it might make you realize that the thing you did in the beginning was like something that you actually want to keep doing. Um, but now that you've <clears throat> done all these other things, it, it's kind of like, oh, informing you on what you don't want to do. Um, and he was talking about music. Uh, but I think so. I'm saying this all to say that, like, there for me, there's like a lot of people that inspire me, and I think what I take from them is like putting my own perspective on these topics um, in a way that is like digestible to my audience, like filmmakers or photographers, or like just me as a person, um, because I feel like there's a lot of overlap within uh, that space. Yeah, I like what you said about, uh, I like what you talked about with the, the quote where sometimes when you're pursuing a single discipline, it just starts to feel like stacking bricks. And what you really enjoyed about that discipline was really uh, what you were doing when you started. And so uh, I wanted to ask, as a content creator um, with with a large audience and and a, a lot of discipline, a lot of different uh, multidisciplinary talents, do you feel... Do you feel the pressure to create content that performs um, over over content that you want to make? And I think you touched upon this because you know you're a business major, but you're also creative, and you might wrestle within yourself um, those two topics. And so I wanted to know, like, what what are your what are your thoughts on on catering to your audience versus doing what you want to do because you're not always going to make the content that resonates with your audience. Yeah, I think it's definitely a a difficult thing, for sure. Mixing the two, I think it's it's kind of like it's kind of like working out, right? You have to you have to put in the reps, uh, whether you like it or not, and do the content that you know performs. And I'm not saying that I don't enjoy. I I really enjoy the content I make that per, does perform well. But obviously, there's times where like, oh, I don't want to make this type of video, but I know I, I need to make one because it's kind of just like lifting weights, right? You got to like, just keep doing it. Um, but I also do, I also do like experimenting with videos that I know won't do well because I just want to make them. And I think the beauty of having an audience is that like, regardless of what you make, someone, people are going to watch it. And I think it kind of like, it's a cool space to be in because back then I would be getting like, I don't know, like 500 to a thousand views on a video that does poorly. But now I'm getting like 30 to 40,000 views on a video that is like quote unquote performing poorly. Um, and I think like that, that switch off in my mind is like, I don't really, this is like really crazy that this many people are watching something that isn't deemed as like, like an abandoning the algorithm type of thing right and it's like but that's literally what i want i mean that's like the whole goal of gaining a following is to like be able to create what you want to create um without having the bounds of like anything uh any algorithms um 
Yeah, and I I I say all this because I I uh, one of the things like you're saying is I'm multidisciplinary, and one of the things I love doing is just like making random stuff, and I think that's part of the who I am as a person, and part of the reason why I, I like creating random stuff. I know there are a lot of people that don't they 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 don't want to like like if they do one video that does poorly and like it's not their formula they're just gonna like i don't know what they're gonna do they're gonna go crazy i don't know um i'm not that type of person i i, I like just making random stuff uh that i know won't perform well because i want to make it well the 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 motto of this show as we close every episode is chase light not algorithms so <laughs> that and i've seen some of your content that uh more or less addresses that. And, you know, it's a necessary evil sometimes. Like I have a YouTube channel myself where I, I do uh, reviews on photography equipment, but then I also do tips, techniques, and tutorials. And my gear reviews always do way better than my tips, tutorials, and techniques. I could give somebody five tips that could possibly transform their life as a photographer, and those videos always do poorly. Always. But if I go, here's a review of the latest uh, Viltrox 75mm 1.2 third-party lens for the Fuji X-mount, that's going to just blow up because everybody everybody thinks that the equipment is what gets them uh, to the promised land as opposed to the idea, which, of course, as you know, is totally wrong. <laughs> like It's totally backwards. It's not the equipment. You do need a good vehicle to get you somewhere, but uh, even if you have a busted-up vehicle, if you're a good driver, you can still get it to where you want to get it. So... But, uh, you know, I, I, I relate to you on that level for sure on, 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 on those algorithms. But it's like a necessary evil. And I look at it as the trade-off is, okay, you do a video that maybe you're just kind of man on and it blows up, it bends the algorithm. But that pulls up the stuff you want people to see. So you reference that, oh, you may only get thirty or 40,000 views. Well, that is the population of people who attend a Yankees game saw and you feel, think about filling up an entire stadium full of Yankees fans, and then that's how many people saw your video that didn't perform as well, but it's the one you're super proud of. And that's still a great accomplishment, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think the, also the beauty in that is like, is like the videos that you want to do, you should just do them because like if one person watches that, video and they can take the value from that video or like they they see that you put in a different like type of effort or it it portrays who you are as a person more it could like it could like lead to like them emailing you or like saying something or literally like it could, it could lead to opportunities that you don't even know are there because you're making something that you want to make um and if you're just like making the same video that you know will do well it might People not, or that per same person might not like that type of content or that might not resonate with them. Um, and yeah, like, I don't know. It's just, it's an interesting thing to battle as, as like uh, creators. Uh, but it's a very, it's a, it's something that I feel like people worry too much about um, because I think in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter uh but i also want to bring up something ironic about this algorithm talk we're talking about is that my video on like the artist versus the algorithm that has like it has like four million views but it's literally it's literally the video that has gotten me the most like v like obviously most views but also most followers which is really ironic because the video is a, literally about how i don't you know I don't care about algorithms, but it's it's a video that got me the most uh, followers, which is funny. Hey, this is Doss Miller, and you're listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. You're, you're dogging on the algorithm, you're praising the creativity, and yet that video gets pushed. And that is, uh, I think that's... That pretty much sums up all the content that's doing well right now. I know a lot of companies across the world are favoring UGC as opposed to like $40,000 budgeted ads shot in 8K and then like, you know, rendered out at 1080p for the for the viewer's screen. But uh, it's interesting talking about social media and everything. And um, 
and how you interact with your audience and, and creating a space on social media. And it very much seems that you create a space in the metaverse, in the creative metaverse that is very much at your pace, uh, especially in a world where we're all used to content creators uh, and influencers kind of uh, developing a sense of urgency in what they're creating. It's fast, it's sudden, it's immediate, it's go, go, go. And it's it almost borders hustle culture. And yet over it at Ethan Uncurated, we've got a very just like, not lackadaisical, but just very much at your pace. It's easy going. And it's, it's honestly, it's a nice change of pace. But that being said, I did want to ask, as we're talking about algorithms, uh, do you do you adhere to the algorithm? Do you have like a, a process for uploading? Is there like a time of day? Like, like how strictly do you adhere to the to all the protocols of of the Instagram algorithm? Uh, I mean, I don't like have a time where I post. To be honest, but I will say like, I think there's a level of like strategic thinking with within it that you have to just do um i think the algorithm part for me is more like the type of content you create rather than like the actual you know like posting once a day uh like i think it's important to like have a presence if you want to do content as like a career because obviously like that's if that's your livelihood then you need to do it but if it's something that you're just doing for fun and you just want to see, you just want to see where it goes. Like it's not really that serious of a thing, uh, because like for me, I was like creating, like I think Brandon, you know, like I was creating sh- stuff for like years and nothing was happening, and then randomly like they just start like pushing my stuff for I don't know what reason, um, and and I was always doing the same thing, but like. I don't know. It was just like some random change that happened that it like just took off. It's it's interesting because I that's something I, I did notice um, in your creation in your in your time in Austin, Texas. Um, it, you you definitely you voiced in your stories um, again something that we're all thinking. Just how you know how ridiculous and just tedious it was to to get any sort of traction on social media, despite your best honest efforts, uh, because the quality of your work, um, was great years ago and it's, it's continued to be great. And it's, it's always been consistent and truthful and honest. And, um, I think that's beautiful. And I think it's something that is important to touch upon, especially for other people, because as photographers, uh, meeting other photographers, there's always a conversation that comes up. It's, oh, I'm not just a photographer now. I have to be the real guy, the content creator, and I'm trying to get a TikTok presence just so that I can get my stuff known. Because um, while you'll never be able to you know, surpass networking and, and going to mixers and parties and creative events, the next best thing, I think, is getting your getting your stuff out there. And so, you know, you've done the grind and and you, you know, you've, you've gotten to that place. And so I, I wanted to ask in the ever growing realm of, of your metaphysical presence online, um, has, has that, has that changed the way you view yourself, uh, as a part of the creative world or is it kind of just, well, actually I'll let you answer that. Like how, how have you, has your opinion of yourself in the, in the creative space online changed over the last couple of years? I would say like at a base level, I don't think so. Like, I think it's just really weird for me when I'm meeting other creators. Uh, Cause I think, I think I'm still like the same person. I, I think I, I like to be the same person. Um, but it's just like, it's, it's, it is pretty weird. Like I think being in the space is really cool. And I think the audience that I have is really interesting. Uh, but yeah, it is like a little bit weird uh, knowing like people watch my stuff. Like I was, yesterday I was at a restaurant and like the waiter, he like came up to me. He's like, are you Ethan Tran? And I was like, yeah. And it was, he was like older than me. And it was, I mean, it was interesting, but he was like, oh, I love your stuff. I'm like, and I asked him what he did. He said he was like, he said he, and he was an illustrator 
and that my stuff like helps him get out of like slumps or things like that. Um, and I think that was really is 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 like a weird thing because I don't I don't think about like I think it having an interaction in person is so different than getting a comment or getting a DM. Uh, those real moments are I think is what is changing my mindset a bit. Um, I don't not so much like the the followers or like the comments I would say. Um, yeah, but I, what, one thing I am realizing on that topic is that since I'm like in this mindset of writing a lot, journaling a lot, journaling a lot I'm, I'm kind of like removing myself from the photography aspect of my life that was so prominent. And I think being here made me realize that and I kind of want to like get that back, um, taking more pictures because at heart that's like who I am. And I think creating content has kind of made me lose sight of that a bit because like you're saying, it's always like about what you're creating next and like what, what performs well. And in general, that's just like never what photography is. So I think that mindset shift is a thing for sure. And something that has been uh, a little bit detrimental to, to like my, thought process as a creative uh, since being a content creator. Well, it all comes full circle to the final question of the day, which is why are you in New York and what are you setting out to achieve? Why did you make this journey? And uh, what does the future hold for Ethan Tran? <laughs> I'm here for, I'm here, I'm here for work. Uh, it's just like the, the broad thing. Like they, my company, I work in advertising as an art director and my company uh, wanted me to move in the summer. So that's what kind of happened. Um, but I think on a different level, I, I wanted to come here to meet people. Uh, and the, here is where there's a lot of just interesting people, uh, a lot of creators, a lot of like filmmakers and ph photographers that I wanted to meet or just be like in that community. And I think that's a big reason why I came here to like experience that, see what it's like, because I grew up in Austin. I spent a lot of my time there. I like went to college there. Um, and I, I just wanted a change of pace. I was also living at home uh, like before coming here. So I kind of wanted to just like be independent in a sense. And yeah, I think that's my goal here to just my baseline goal is just to meet people uh, and like see what's see what and learn. I, I guess like, yeah, meet people and like learn from them um, is like the main thing. And I think everything else will come like the creative part will come with time and with meeting more people. Uh, but yeah, I don't really think like I feel like a lot of people move out here to create something crazy that might change in my mind as I spend more time here. But for me right now, it's kind of just like I moved here because I wanted to meet people. Um, Cause honestly, like creating content here is so much harder than it is in Austin. Cause like there's, there's like you go on the street and there's like people walking around and I'm just scared that people are going to take my camera gear or whatever it may be. Right. And in Austin, you can just film wherever and no one's going to do anything. And there's so much more space and like, it's a bit quieter. So in that sense, it's kind of like, why did I move here? And it, it, in my mind, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a thing I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, but yeah, I think for the people, for sure. Right on, man. Well, thank you for joining us today, Mr. Ethan Tran. We're going to put links in the description of this podcast to all of his you know, social media, website. Thanks for coming out. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll end the call, but uh, we'll, we'll keep in touch on everything. Thank you so yeah, much, Ethan. Yeah, y'all, thanks for having me on as well. Have a great rest of your day in New York, my brother. We thank each and every one of you for listening today. 
Ethan was an awesome guest. Uh, that's why we had to give him that round of applause. Follow us on f11pod.com. That's the website. You can do f11pod on Instagram. You can do that on Twitter. Uh, we thank each and every one of you. Check us out. Uh, and until next time, chase light and not algorithms. Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information about this podcast, go to www.f11pod.com.